a Podcast One production. Hey, I'm sports journalist Sam Squires. Welcome to On Her Game. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly? Well, Rhianna Nifflin says her sport is the closest thing to it. Rhianna competes in the Red Bull cliff diving competition, diving off ledges, cliffs, buildings and bridges over 20 metres high in the most picturesque places in the world. I first met Rhianna when she started competing in the Red Bull comp in 2015. Back then, she was the Aussie young gun, the wild card, the rookie. But by the end of the year, she was the champion. Then she backed it up to take out the competition the next year and the next. In fact, she's won it four times in a row, even going undefeated in the competition in 2019. Rhiannon's story starts, not surprisingly, in the water, growing up on the central coast of New South Wales. I was always a water baby, Um, always grew up around the coast and the ocean, um, playing a lot of sports, playing with my friends, playing with my brother and sister. Um, yeah, so actually my grandfather used to call me his little water baby. Now to do what you do takes, you must be somewhat of an adrenaline junkie, but were you like that as a little kid? You were always (laughs) in the water, but were you an adrenaline junkie? Were you climbing things and trying to get as high up on things as you can? Oh, I mean, I was always an outgoing child. Um, I would always give anything a go, but you know what? I, I don't think I was. I think I was a little bit shy and a little bit timid. Um, It wasn't until I actually started cliff diving and uh, got into my late teens that I actually turned into a a bit of an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, right. (laughs) Late starter. Well, let's go back. How did you get into diving? Because obviously you weren't diving off cliffs as a a kid, but um, (laughs) how did you get into diving? Actually, I think I was diving off cliffs as a kid. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Living on Lake Macquarie. Yeah. Um, No, but I actually, we had some family friends. Um that used to come over usually every weekend and they were actually gymnasts Mm. and I was always as a kid, I was a little bit younger than them and I was always watching them uh, flip around and tumble on the grass and uh, have all those cool (laughs) tricks up their sleeve Mm. and I think I asked mum and dad if I could join the trampoline club because Mm. they were um, in the trampolining club at that time too. Uh, So I began actually as a trampolinist. Right. Um, How old were you? Uh, I think I was around nine, yep. nine or ten. Mm-hmm. And yeah, from there, there was divers in, involved in, in the trampoline club as well. So I went to the pool and yeah, I never looked back. That was the start of it all. And uh, yeah, I completely fell in love with it. We, did you have a trampoline in the backyard growing up and do tumbles and everything on those? Yeah, I certainly did. Um, my dad actually bought me an, an Olympic trampoline. So it was in our backyard. It was, it was a little bit of a hazard to be so honest, what's the Olympic trampoline back then? What's... Um, the big ones with the with the yellow mat, like the, right. the huge trampolines. And going back to my grandfather, actually, it used to be right in front of his patio. My grandparents lived next door to me, um, <laughs> so he used to sit up there having his cup of tea in the sun, and I used to be bopping up and down in front of me, in in front of him, and uh, he'd throw up a score at the end of my routine. Oh, so <laughs> that's very cool. I ask because trampolines were different back then to what they are now. I just yeah. got my little girl a trampoline 
for her birthday. That was more a gift for us because it's the only way to get energy out of her. Um, <laughs> but they're so safety is a big thing with the big netting up with the, the side and everything. Now, yeah. When we were kids, it was... It was a metal frame and, yep. uh, yeah, that was it. Did you have any accidents? Because it was almost like a rite of passage. <laughs> if you had to trampoline in the backyard, then you had to come to school with a broken arm and a cast at some stage. Yeah, actually I was lucky. I never, I never had a broken arm. I think I learned that at Trampoline Club. If we ever put our hands down on the on the mat, which was uh, which was a big safety issue, the the people around us would be able to throw shoes at us. So um, yeah, we I never did that, but uh, yeah, I can remember one time that I did go flying off into a barbecue in the backyard. So um, I toned it down after that, though. <laughs> Bet for only for a short while. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, can you take us back to your first dive? Do you remember your the first time you did a proper dive? I'm not sure that that I remember the first dive, but one memory that I do have is the first time diving off the five metre platform. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there was me and another girl, her name was Elise, mm-hmm. and I remember standing up there and we were kind of going back and forward at who was going to jump first. And I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty certain that I wasn't the first to jump. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Made yeah. Elise go first. Yep, yep, yep. How old were you then? Uh, I would have been... 10 or 11. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's a pretty intimidating dive. Well, five, five metres is is high for a 10-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and did that break it for you? Were you like, right, I'm hooked or did it take a while or? Yeah, I was, I was hooked from a young age for sure. You know, I was always in love with the sport. I, I loved flipping around and, and I loved like the feeling of, of being a gymnast and then uh, mixing my passion for the water as, uh, along mm. with that. I think I was around 15 years old and I actually moved to, to Sydney on a diving scholarship with New South Wales Institute of Sport. Cool. That was when I began competing 10 metre and uh, putting together all the, the big girl dives, mm. if you want to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was also competing on the three metre springboard as well. So cool. um, focusing on the two two boards, two disciplines. Did you do international competitions at that stage? I stage? did. I did. Maybe. How high up? Uh, as in how high up, but how, or what level did you, what was your highest achievement from being the 10 metre diver in that stage? Um, I did two uh, youth Olympics mm-hmm. um, cool. and I did a couple of other international events, one in Sweden, one in Canada. Um, yeah, but only on the junior national teams. Cool. That's still, that's so yeah. impressive. <laughs> and then what was, why didn't you continue doing that? Um, I think I, look, I just got to the end of my career and my last open nationals, uh, I went for this one back handstand dive and, uh, didn't end up so well, going so well for me. And I think that I was kind of intimidated and, and I just kind of lost the, the passion mm. for, for 10 meter diving. And honestly, I got a little bit burnt out, um, from going to the pool and training 11 sessions a week from the age of 14, 15, mm. um, I think, you know, mm. by that time it just got a bit too much and, and I, I kind of just got bored with mm. going to the aquatic centre um, and doing the same thing every single day. So, yeah, I think that's that's where it all ended for me. Yeah. Did you have other sports that you were doing at the time? Oh, I juggled trampolining, like a competitive trampoline sports and diving for about five years, I think. But... Uh, you know, I was always into all different sports growing up through school. I, I played a, a bunch of different sports and, and I've surfed my whole life as well, but that's mm. kind of just a recreational thing on the side that makes me happy. So Yeah. Why high diving? 
Why? <laughs> when did you decide to take the leap from the 10 metre even further? Um, so when I finished my 10 metre career, I still was in love with, with diving and still had that passion inside of me. And I actually got offered a job working on a cruise ship as an aquatic acrobat. Um, it was there where I actually first saw high diving and uh, there was a couple of my colleagues that were involved in the Red Bull Cliff Diving World Series. And um, because of the two sports, trampolining and diving, it's kind of a, high diving is kind of a mixture of the two Yeah. Uh, because you have the, the diving technique and then you have the, the Barani, which is the finish of the, the dives in high diving. So yeah, right. they kind of said to me, you know, like you, you have potential, you could get up there and, um, and do well. So yeah, that was kind of when I thought, all right, maybe, maybe this could be for me. At that stage, I wasn't that keen on competing again. But yeah, I think the whole lifestyle and the whole atmosphere of the sport kind of drew me into it, like the travel, the adventure, mm. the locations that we visit. Mm. Yeah, it was really cool. It was something that that I could see myself doing. All right, I'm going to get into that, but I need to go back <laughs> and talk about cruise ships. Okay. <laughs> I just, it, it boggles my mind. And I've actually seen a clip of um, you diving on a cruise ship. And it's like a tiny little pool on the edge of the um, edge of the ship. It looks crazy. Like <laughs> how being on, just just take me there. What it's like standing <laughs> that high up on a cruise ship, which still rocks, mm -hmm. is a rocking um, platform. What is? Take yeah. me there. I can't imagine it. I remember the first time I climbed to ten meter, and the ladder is is a vertical ladder. Um, and if the ship's moving, that's, oh, that's scary enough in itself. <laughs> but yeah, I remember the first time I got there and said, oh, what have I got myself into? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, when it comes to the high dive on the ship, it's 17 meters, but you can actually stand on the end of the platform and like push your toes over the edge and cover the pool. So oh my gosh. <laughs> it kind of disappears. <gasps> but uh, no, you get used to it. In, in all honesty, like you adapt to those things. But yeah, in terms of um, the movement of the ship, mm. that was quite tricky. Mm. But I can say that I was always very mindful of that. And I, I didn't push myself out of my comfort zone enough to dive um, when the ship was moving. Because sometimes, you know, you'd have 10 meters, but if the ship rocks, then you'd drop a meter out of the pool yeah. um, and it'd be 11 meters. And not to mention the fact that once you jump, you can't change your flight of no, path. So at all. The, the pool might move it slightly, but uh, yeah, it, I mean, it was all Did monitored. Did you see any close calls or yeah, things that you thought, okay, that was tight? Yeah, we all had close calls, but uh, I don't know if they were that close. <laughs> if I've, I've said that, it's obviously. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah, I did see a couple of close calls, but I think once once you make one, then uh, you don't do it again. Okay, so that was cruise ships. And then from cruise ships, take me the timeline. Were you, And then you went Red Bull, but you were also competing in the FINA World Championships for high diving as well. Did that come before Red Bull? cliff diving competition or was it at the same time? Yeah, it was 2016 when I started competing and my first event was actually a FINA World Cup mm -hmm. event in Abu Dhabi, which that event went horrible for me. It was... A belly flop? Yeah. Take us there. What <laughs> happened? Was that your first World Cup? Yeah, that was my first, um, first ever competition 
um, high diving competition on the international scene. And my first dive of the competition, I completely wiped out. Um, I think it was, it had a lot to do with the way that I was dealing with it mentally. Um, I was still new to the sport. I was still new to diving at those heights. Um, And then to put the pressure of the competition and everybody watching me on top of that, Mm. kind of just crumbled and forgot what I, forgot how to dive basically. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Because how old were you at that stage? Uh, was that was only five years ago? Yeah, four years, four years ago. So, um, and I actually tried to find footage. I can't. I didn't see footage of the belly flop. Actually, I think the live stream glitched at that time. Are you serious? I'm, not, I'm not joking because when I was in, <laughs> I love that you're whispering and we're on a when microphone. When I was in the water after that dive, you know, I tried to swim out by myself, but I was so winded that the safety team um, they took me out. Wow! And I turned to the scuba diver at the bottom and said, "Oh." I really hope my mum's not watching this live. <laughs> That's why I remember. Oh, honestly. Wow. What, how did that belly flop, you said how it happened, like the mental side of it, but let's talk about the physical side of it. I actually, like it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I was on a 90 degree angle and I kind of saved myself with my arms. Yeah. I'm breaking the water with my arms first. The next day I was super, super sore. Um, and uh, my ego was definitely very <laughs> bruised, um, but, but yeah, I managed to finish the competition. So yeah, I was okay. How did that rock your confidence and how did you build your confidence back up? Well, I remember saying to one of the other divers who was a good friend of mine, I'm done. I don't want to compete again. Oh. Um, <laughs> I was kind of, it was kind of a hard thing to to go through because I was embarrassed, but I was so excited to be there. But yeah. doing that at my first competition, it was kind of really intimidating to see the other the, the other divers mm. again after that. Um, but it was, I think, maybe two months later, I got an invitation as a wild card mm-hmm. um, to the first event of the Red Bull Cliff Diving World Series after the Billy Flop. After the after the first really bad event, actually, like I said to my dad, like, oh, I don't know if I want to go, and he said, oh well. You can't really do any worse than last time. So <laughs> just turn up and, and have a good time and enjoy the experience. Um, Such a dad yeah, thing to say, isn't it? It is. It is. And just the way that he said it kind of made me smile. Yeah. We were actually on the way to the airport in the car and I kind of was like welting up a little bit um, <laughs> when he was dropping me off and, and I told him, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to go. I'm scared. Mm. And, yeah, that's what he turned around and said to me. And, uh kind of fixed everything really yeah. because I, I went to that first event and and I took the advice on board and I had a good time and I just took in the whole experience and and it worked for me and I won the first event. Um, yeah, nobody really expected that, including myself. No, yeah. and then that didn't stop there, did it, with that year at all? No, no, it didn't. I think uh, I think I just tried to keep that, that attitude mm. and, uh, yeah, continue on from there diving the way that I dove at the at the first event. So kind of like I was, you know, riding a little wave of confidence. How cool is that? Yeah. Got back into the water, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you won that first year as a wild card and a rookie. Yeah. It was a bit of a shock, you said to yourself, but also to the competition as well. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I think, that, well, the first event was a shock, but uh, when I won two in a row, after winning the second one was even more of a shock. I was thinking like, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> so still not trusting your ability not, no. in this. Yeah. Um, and then one and then and then won that whole year and um 
you haven't lost since. Just take me through how the Red Bull cliff diving competition works. It is a series of seven to nine events, Mm -hmm. um, depending on the year. And basically we accumulate points um, from each event. And then at the end of the season, the, the World Series champion is the person with the diver with the most points. More points if you have the higher difficulty? Like. So it's it's similar to Olympic diving in a way, in the way that we're judged and scored. Mm-hmm. We compete four dives with five judges. They're scoring the, the takeoff, the execution, the flight and control, and then the entry. Uh, and basically each of the judges give you a score. They times that by the degree of difficulty. They, t- they take off the top and the bottom score, which gives you an average. Um, and, and that's how you end up with the score from each dive. And on top of competing in the Red Bull diving competition, you're still competing in the FINA World Champs every two years and then the FINA World Cup every year as well. Correct. Yeah. Does it, how much of a difference is it competing in the con- those competitions indoor to competing in the cliff diving comps? It's, it's similar. The format is exactly the same, but the height is um, set at 20 metres for the women and 27 for the men. Mm. Um, it's, it's a little bit different. You know, I quite enjoy being out and about and outdoors when, it, mm. you know, it comes to cliff diving. Not going to lie, I, can, I, I enjoy that. Um, atmosphere as well. I enjoy that atmosphere mm. a lot more than, than the FINA World mm. Champs. But in saying that, you know, going back to when I was a diver, uh, in 10 meter, I never would have ever imagined that I'd have a world championships gold medal in my hand. So <laughs> it's, it's a really big event for us, which comes around every two years. So, yeah. What's the biggest challenge then from diving in competitions in the pool, in um, an enclosed space to then going out and diving the cliff diving competition where you're in a different location every single time and it's not that closed in environments different? Yeah, look, Obviously, each location is completely different. So you turn up and, and you don't know what to expect. That's probably one of the biggest challenges. For instance, like last year in, in Portugal and Lebanon, we had huge, huge swells and huge seas on the, the day of the competition. And actually in Lebanon, we couldn't even get the boat to the, to the cliff because it was too rocky. Wow. So they, they set up a zip line for us to zip line across from one point to the Are other. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. That's awesome. It was amazing. Oh, so I actually, cool. yeah, I actually was was only going to do one warm up dive for the competition until yeah. I saw the zip line <laughs> and then went, okay, I'm I'm going for three. That's <laughs> awesome. But I quite get that move. Let me go again. <laughs> yeah, no, but um, the weather conditions are definitely something that's challenging. The fact that mm. sometimes you know the the heights vary um, a couple of meters when you get up onto the cliff. Mm. And also the fact that we don't always have the opportunity to train the dives at 20 metres. Yeah. Um, that regularly is is quite difficult because from the training on 10 metre, then getting to 20 metres and putting it all together is something that's that's uh, sometimes hard to deal with. Well, let's go into that. How mm-hmm. do you train for a high dive? Because um, obviously you can't go to your local pool. There's only like 10 metre platforms. Yeah. How do you then dive for 18 is it 18 to 22 metres? Is that the... Uh, or 20 to 22 metres. 20 to 22. High. Right. Yeah. yeah. So basically I do a lot of my training like I would have when I was competing 10 metre. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically just train the technique in the pool. Uh, and what we do is I will break down the dive into three parts. 
So I'll focus on the takeoff of the dive mm. and then I'll focus on the rotations and the twists. Mm. And then I'll focus also on perfecting the entry um, on 10 meter. And then once we get to the competition, then uh, it's time to put it all together. That's so, tough, isn't it? It like, is tough. Not it is tough. Having to put it all together before you get to the competition. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very tough at times, but it does, it, it gets easier. And once you've done the dives a few times um, in, in all different locations, then uh, it gets a little bit easier. And you were saying, what kind of impact does it have having, I guess, every location doesn't have a standard size, like platform. You could be jumping off a, a building or a bridge or a cliff. So you can't have that standard height each time. Does that play a role and in yeah. the difficulty of, of yeah. how you prepare? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, the way I like to explain it is that it's it's like doing your dives for the first time every time you get to the location. Yeah. Actually, almost every competition I, I go through this in my head, you know, turning up and and being really hesitant to go and do that first dive, mm. um, it's it's a really difficult thing because everything looks different. You have to adapt to the surroundings and you have to, to adapt to the new platform, the new visuals mm. uh, when you're up there. But there was maybe like last year I found something that really worked for me and that was to to get straight up there without thinking, like to try and be the first person on the platform, to try and go there uh, within, you know, 10 minutes of, of the training session mm. uh, starting um, just so I wouldn't be overwhelmed and flooded with those feelings and, and uh, let the fear kind of strike me out. That's incredible. And what kind of um, other training do you have to do to be a cliff diver? We're doing a lot of strength and conditioning training, uh, like, you know, kind of like normal diving, but considering we hit the water at around 77 kilometres an hour, yeah. um, there's quite some force in it. So, Usually I, I spend a lot of time just working on um, working on staying uninjured and, and to be able to withstand the, the impacts time and time again through the season. Is something you had to adapt to, like hitting the water? Because obviously you hit the water feet first every time. Yeah. Explain to the person who's never dived off a 10-metre platform, let alone a 22-metre, what that's like. Yeah, look, it's actually, once you get used to it, it's actually quite a nice feeling. Obviously not when you hit bad. But the way I explain it is, you know, you, you dive off, you have so many emotions mm. at the top of the platform, you know, wondering like, is it going to go okay? Mm. And then you kind of, you do the dive, your body takes over. And then when you hit the water, it's kind of, it's a big impact, but everything just goes silent. So it's, it's actually, in my mind, therapeutic. Oh, that sounds crazy. No, I kind of get that. That. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lot to take in. I don't really know how to explain it other than because the roar of the crowd, because they're big crowds at the cliff diving competitions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then once you hit that water, it does kind mm -hmm. of underneath. Everything that. goes silent, and when you pop your head up, that's usually the moment where I'm like, oh, I want to go back up there and do it again. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about fear. I asked you whether you're a adrenaline junkie when you were little. You were shy. But is fear something that you've had to grapple with, or is something that's come easy to overcome for you? Well, I'm absolutely scared every time I go up there. Right. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. But you Even know, now that you've done it? Yeah. Four yeah. Well, won it four times in a row? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Every it's, single time still? It's always intimidating and um, I think, you Does know. Does that keep you on your toes so that if you're not fearful, it, that's when mistakes can happen? Exactly, exactly. That's another, that's a way that I like to look at it is that 
the fear does keep me safe in a way mm. because, you know, you have to respect the height and you have to respect how dangerous the sport is just to not go up there and do something silly. But I think, you know, it's it's natural. I feel human mm. that, that I'm afraid being up there. But it is something that, that I've learned to overcome over the years. I think it, it also comes with experience. I won't say that it, that it ever goes away, but I actually have found that I really enjoy to overcome those fears. And mm. um, that's that's one thing that, one reason why I, I don't mind the fear being there because it's like doing that dive, hitting the water and then coming up and, and I just feel something, I just feel so alive after tackling my fear all the time. Every single time. <laughs> exactly. What kind of physical response? Do you have a physical response to fear? Is there a shortness of breath or um, anything like that physically, that a tightening up in your body that you f- you have or is it just in your head? Not necessarily. When I'm, when I'm nervous and scared, I tend to have, I tend to start singing and dancing and laughing and acting a bit crazy. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's, that may sound silly, but yeah. that's also one way that I deal with the fear. Yeah. Is, um, if you've ever watched a live competition, sometimes the cameras will be on me and I'm singing at the top of my lungs and dancing just to let all the feelings out. I can imagine that first step um, or jump mm-hmm. or leap of faith, so mm-hmm. to speak. What is that like and how do you make that leap? That's a good question. I don't know how I do it. Um, no, but it's, look, it's it's all just kind of telling myself that I'm capable and mm. thinking of why I'm why I'm there because I, I love the sport. And, uh, yeah, it's before I get up there, I'm, I'm always looking over the edge of the, the platform or the cliff and I'm going through the dive in my head mm. and telling myself that I know what's going to happen. I know how to do it. I'm confident and I actually go through the dive mentally, have a look at the water and take a a mental screenshot of what I'm actually going to see and where I'm actually going to land. And I think that helps to put myself in a, in a positive place and put me in a place where I feel confident and and able to do it. Mm. How soon you were saying, um, the first time you get to do a high dive is when you're at that competition, but how soon before comp day can you get on the platform and train for that dive or is it on the day? Uh, the day before. Day before. So, we're, yeah, we always fly in a day before to, to the event locations and we have the opportunity to, to train and get used to the location. That's not very hard <laughs> at all. Um, what I love about the cliff diving, Red Bull cliff diving competition is just the scenery and the places that you go to. Some places that I've, I've never seen, I don't, I don't see them in travel brochures or on hashtags on Instagram, but there you guys are in these spectacular locations. What's your favourite? I'm sure if you have more than one, you're looking at me like your eyes. <laughs> you know it. what, Sam? That's actually the hardest question I get asked. <laughs> favourites um, then? Favourites. Or the ones that just totally blew you away? I always love going back to Italy in Polignano Amare. Um, Is that from Bell Tower? No, we dive out of somebody's terrace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's really special because, you know, we dive out of somebody's backyard and uh, as we're walking up through the streets, they're they're full of cafes and churches and people sitting there drinking an Aperol spritz and watching (laughs) us. And the crowd there, I think we get get almost 70,000 fans there watching each year. And uh, 
yeah, walking through the house, there's a little old lady and she's always reading the newspaper and drinking an espresso. What? So it's it's really, really special. Beautiful. But in terms of scenery, look, I'm going to say Portugal. We go there every year, mm-hmm. but it's kind of the most raw form of uh, cliff diving because mm. we're diving straight from the cliff there and, and there's so many opportunities to just to go everywhere around the islet and, mm. and dive in so many different spots. So I really, really love it there. Take us back to 2017. You won 2016. Mm-hmm. 2017, you had a serious knee injury, which which rocked you. Yeah, I did. I actually had a really great start to 2017 season. Um, I was still, you know, running off the confidence of, of the previous mm. year of 2016. Um, but yeah, I got to the penultimate stop and I was leading the World Series and I did both of my MCLs at the same time. Um, I just, yeah. just something in my something in my mind in the middle of the warm-up dive kind of switched off. Mm. I think I actually had a thought in, in the mid-air thinking like, oh, I think I'm going to roll this dive over, like not land completely vertical. Mm. And when I did that, I kind of just forgot to tense everything going through the water. Mm. Oh, that sounds really silly for a professional athlete. No, I, but, I was um, going to ask as well, like, do you know when you've done a good dive and when yeah, it hasn't been a good yeah, dive? Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember just being under the water and my legs had just been taken out from underneath me because the river's moving and it's really cold. And yeah, I did both knees at the same time. It was quite challenging. But after that event, I was You knew when you were in the water straight away. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I was under the water and then I called the safety team. I was like, how do you, yeah, even swim to the top if you've just done both your knees excruciating? No, I think I was just kind of um, calling them over. Um, But yeah, at the end of that event, I think I was still 20 or 30 points in the lead for the World Series title. And the next event was five weeks later. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did the rehab in a short amount of time and I actually turned up to the last event. I think I needed to be placed in the top three. So I needed to podium to still take the World Series win. Mm. <laughs> I actually turned up and did my training dives in my head. Like I walked to the end of the platform, I looked down and I went over the dives uh, mentally and I, I was visualising and I did four cold dives um, straight in and I I won the event and took out the series. So, so you didn't do any warm-ups or anything? No. No, I didn't. I just, just looked. I think it was it was kind of a hard decision to make whether I was going to compete was, or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, Should you have looking? Like obviously you won, so it was amazing. But um, if it wasn't on the line, would you have still competed? If it wasn't on the line for the World Series win, I'm, I'm not actually sure that I would have competed. Mm. But looking back now, I'm I'm definitely glad that I did. And that's been one of the most rewarding uh, competitions of my career. Just, you know, it, it gave me a lot of confidence realising that, that I went there and I did that under mm. that pressure and um, in those circumstances. So, yeah, but I mean, it was, it was just MCL strain. So mm. after that event, I had time to, to recover and I had months to, to do more rehab. So... Yeah. You were like, just told yourself if you just got through this dive. I can do this. Yeah. Was it at risk that you could really do a lot more damage going back that so soon? I'm not sure. Like I I was working with the the physios and and therapists in Austria at the Red Bull headquarters. And uh, 
they they advised me, you know, that I could do it. I was just heavily taped and strapped just, mm. you know, for precaution to make sure that, that it wouldn't happen again. Um, but, but yeah, it seemed okay. I got the go ahead from the physios. So (laughs) (laughs) that was my main concern. With the dives, you've kind of, like you came in as a rookie in 2016, won the comp and then won all of them since, but you've also changed the game in terms of setting a new benchmark and, um, and pushing, pushing the envelope when it comes to your diving, haven't you? Last time we spoke, you you had a particular dive that you wanted to be able to achieve and that was, tell me more about, about that and how you've, you've pushed the competition and you've pushed the, um, uh, pushed that benchmark. Yeah. You know, that's something that, that I'm really proud of. Um, a couple of years ago when I went in, into the world series that I honestly didn't think that I was going to be the one that was pushing the sport further, <laughs> um, for the women. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, with that dive, I'm now doing the the hardest dive in the world for the women, and and I still have goals to to keep pushing those degree mm. degree of difficulties higher. But um, back when we last spoke, mm. I wanted to add a twist um, to one of the dives that I was already doing and uh, become one of the first women in the world to to do that dive and mm. and to have to hold the the highest degree of difficulty for the women. Uh, I think it took me maybe a year after that. Um, mm. to put the dive together, but it's, it's never easy to learn a new dive because, especially if no one's done it before, because yeah. you don't really know what to expect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but now I have my sights on, uh, pushing that even further, but it's been tough in the last couple of months, um, to, to actually get the training in to push that dive. So mm. it might even be pushed back another year yet. So um, what do you want to do? Cause the, the dive that you ended up achieving, that was a four point four point three. Yep. And the dive that I would like to go for is four point nine. Mm. Um, so last time I added a twist, and this time I will uh, add a somersault to the inward triple. And I mean, I, I would like to make it an inward quad, um, but it's it's a difficult dive, and you never actually know how it's going to go until you actually step there. Um, on the platform, yeah. you have to be completely 100% ready mentally and physically to try something like that. So, um, so that was your aim for 2020 to do that dive, but you can't train for that at the moment, can you? Like, no, it's yeah. been, it's been a struggle, um, to be in the pool. Usually I'll be, I would be, um, training in Brisbane if I was in Australia or mm. I'd be in France at the moment, mm. um, diving every single day. But, and because the pool now in Newcastle is seasonal, it's closed for the winter. Mm. So and would have been closed during COVID, the lockdown. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's been tough, but, you know, it's just the way that it goes. And uh, that goal's still in there in the back of my mind. Um, but it's obviously a goal that I have smaller goals on the way to achieving mm. something like that. Because that was, is that a way to keep you motivated? Because I'd imagine if you won that first year, you have won every single year since last year you actually were the first person in the competition to go undefeated for the entire year. Is motivation then difficult? How do you keep motivating yourself and, and pushing yourself when you've clearly dominated for, for a long time? Yeah, I think the fact that I love the sport makes it easy to stay motivated because mm-hmm. I really enjoy going to training and, and I really enjoy pushing myself to the limits. Mm. I think another way that I've found 
myself to stay motivated is I've been working with Xanthia uh, Panisi. She's another high diver from Australia, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, training alongside her and helping her build her dives up as well, which has been uh, something nice to have to have a training partner, a training buddy. Yeah. Um, that's been great. But, you know, that winning feeling <laughs> <laughs> makes you want it makes me want to go back for more. So, yeah. yeah, it's I haven't really had a problem with staying motivated. Mm. I'm just enjoying what I'm doing and turning up at each location and going, oh, wow. Yeah, this yeah. This is incredible. Like if I look back 10 years ago, 15 years ago when I was in the aquatic center every single day, I never would have pictured myself that I'd be doing this and making a career mm. um, the way that I'm that I'm making it. So, yeah, just taking a step back, looking at the bigger mm. picture and looking at how much I've got out of the sport and, and how much I enjoy it keeps me motivated every day. In terms of that, that dive that you did do, that was the 4.3. Mm-hmm. No one else was doing that dive before you. You set that new standard. At the time, there, now, was one, there was one other girl doing that dive. Mm, but yeah. now? Now there's three of us. Yeah. There's three of us doing that. So, cool. yeah, the other girls have followed suit. Mm. Um, and, look, it's, yeah, it's interesting to see how, I don't know if it's if it's been my influence. I think it's been all of the divers um, that have been, you know, pushing, pushing the limit mm. each and every year. And this sport has come a long way in the last five years. Mm. Like if you think about the 4.3 degree of difficulty that we're talking about, a couple of years ago, the highest degree of difficulty was 3.5 or 3.6. Mm. So it's come a long way, the sport, in a, in a couple of years. Mm. In terms of um, where the men are, they dive often even higher platforms mm-hmm. at 27 metres yep. that they're off. Yep. Is there any motivation for you that you <laughs> want to go off that height as well? I walk to the end of the 27-metre platform on my hands and knees and look over the edge. Um, <laughs> no, but at, at this stage, my highest dive to date has been 24 metres mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about 25, mm-hmm. 25 next, something simple. Give me an idea. If you add like a metre or two metres, what impact does that have then on the dive and your ability to do that dive? I think, you know, the higher you get above 16 metres, every metre for me um, I can feel the difference um, just in terms of the impact on the water. Mm. And I mean, time-wise, it's not a lot. But when when you're trying to calculate to put the dive vertical, it's it's different. You have to change, a f- change things. I mean, really small changes mm. in the dive to, to make it vertical. But uh, it's interesting you say that because when we're competing – uh, some of the platforms are 20, some of the platforms 21.5, some mm. are 22 metres. And I've found that having those extra couple of metres, I've had higher scores uh, in general. Mm. So uh, I think if High you were to, yeah, if you were to ask me, I, I, I like to dive those two metres higher. Yeah, right. But for now, you're happy not to be on the 27 metres where those... Not, yeah, not okay. quite that high. Yeah, not, cool. not quite that high. How much underneath do you need? For 20 metres, how much um, underneath the surface of the water? Generally, ideally, I would like four and a half metres. That all? Um, yeah, that's that's probably my ideal depth, but yeah. I could dive into 3.6. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, you know, changing the direction really fast underneath the water. And mm. I learned that when I was doing shows. So, yeah. Yeah. But the more, the deeper, the better, basically. 
You took a really interesting trip in 2018 into the outback. What was the motivation behind finding cliffs in our outback and doing that trip? I did. I took one of the best trips of my life <laughs> um, up into the Northern Territory. I went on a road trip with my best mate um, and we went through Nitmaluk Gorge um, and all through Kakadu just you know, trying to have the ultimate adventure um, and to <laughs> to go through there and, and find the most epic cliff diving spots that I could find. And we succeeded on, on having an awesome, awesome time and really cool adventure. You recorded that um, with Red Bull. And oh my gosh, it is such a great clip. I just love it so much. It's a, a really, really good clip, um, about 25 minutes long. And I just, ah, oh, it's just the cinematography involved in it and just what you were able to do out there. But you can't just rock up, can you, to like a cliff um, in the outback and make that jump. You spent time with the local Indigenous community out there and asked for their permission. What was that like? We did. We did. We spent a lot of time with the with the Jawan people up there. You know, it was it was so special to meet to meet the locals and and to learn a lot more about the Indigenous culture. Uh, and one of the most special things that happened on the trip was actually during the welcome to, to country ceremony. They greeted us and, and reached out to, to belong uh, there through song and dance to basically give me blessing to, to dive into, into the gorge there. So that was something, something very, very incredible. And you've got that on film of the ceremony that they're giving you before you take that leap off the cliff there into the gorge but there's this beautiful moment, isn't there? A very spiritual moment that happens. There is, yeah. Look, I didn't think I was so spiritual before this mm. uh, this experience that I had. Um, it was actually during the the song of the the rainbow serpent when they were singing and dancing at that time. This crazy uh, willy willy wind came through from down the gorge. It came up onto the sand, circled around them dancing, and then circled around myself. Um, and my best mate Emily, and then actually continued up past the spot that I was going to dive. Mm. And, uh, you know, they were just so energized and mm. came to me and said that was, um, that was our ancestors giving you the blessing to dive. And it was so incredible. Mm. I was, uh, I was in goosebumps. Mm. And, uh, it was, I've got goosebumps now when you're just talking really, about it. It was a really, really magical moment. That firstly... <laughs> Okay, so when I think about the outback and I look at those waters that you were jumping into, the first thing I think is crocodiles. Yeah. Did you think that? Yeah, that's exactly what I Were there crocodiles in there? There was. There were times where we were passing on the boat uh, on the way up to um, to the dive locations and I think there was one probably 400 metres, 500 metres, uh, you know, just sunbaking on a rock Wow. where I was going to dive. But they were just little... Ah, uh, freshwater crocodiles. Nah. And we were with like the national park guides and people that knew the drill around there. So I didn't really feel threatened at all by the crocs when I was in the water. But yeah, I think actually I was more worried about snakes. Is that right? Yeah. There was one one episode that I had when I was climbing out of the water and uh, heading back up to mm. the back up to the cliff. I actually I was in the water and I put my hand on a rock about oh. to climb and I just saw this little face staring at me. <gasps> and in my mind, what I was thinking was, I'm in the Northern Territory. That's a, 
a black or a brown snake. Like, get out of here. I've never leaped so far, ever. <laughs> I, I jumped up and grabbed the rock. Emily was behind me just laughing. Oh, wow. Um, so I think, yeah, that, I was more concerned about the snakes and right. the spiders up there. Because you climbed up those cliffs as well. Mm-hmm. There yeah. was no ladder or anything. No you ladder. had to climb up up those. How did you know it was deep enough to dive into? We had a safety team with us yeah. um, of three or four people. And basically I jumped in the water with them and, and we talked and we checked it all out to make sure everything was okay first. So And 24 metres, you said that that was your biggest um, jump and that happened on that trip. It did. Yeah, it did. It was one of the final dives um, that I did on that trip. And uh, Look, that was actually a really nervous moment when they were mm. up the top measuring and I was down at the bottom looking. I was really excited to dive from there, but I really wanted to find out how high it actually was. And yeah, it was really nerve wracking waiting to see the height because I kind of already committed to diving from that spot. Take me through, you nervous doing it in that oh, environment, absolutely. 24 metres, <laughs> your highest ever jump in, I guess, there could have been crocs in the water, there could have been snakes, there could have been anything. Like. When I was looking over the edge 24 metres, I, I wasn't really thinking about the crocs, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, on the climb up mm. is kind of the time that all the thinking happens. Mm. But I remember just trying to enjoy enjoy that climb and enjoy the surroundings mm. so I wasn't going to, you know, get too scared and and chicken out. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think it it took me a good 15 minutes to get off the edge. It really did, you know, to get up the top. And there was trees around that I had to move and just figure out the angles and and make sure that everything was going to go right. What are you afraid of the most? Is it injury? Is it? I think it's honestly the impact. Yeah. Like I, I don't seem to be that scared of heights. I'm most scared about the impact and, and getting injured. Mm. Definitely, definitely, because I love that feeling so much of just flying through the air. Mm. I mean, what is there to be scared of until you hit the water? Does it feel like you're flying? Oh, it does, especially when you do the simple, the, the more simple dives yeah. um, where you're just in a straight position and just falling. Uh, you kind of, I kind of hear like this wind through my hair hitting the water and then everything just goes silent and then pop your head up and you go, wow, I just achieved something really, really cool and really, really big um, in my career. So that was kind of um, my feelings. And it was really, really nice to pop my head up there and uh, have my best mate Em Mm. sitting in a kayak there. Uh, You know, actually, we've been laughing about it recently. She kept saying like, oh, you know, you're going in the water with the crocs. And I said, Em, you're sitting in a kayak. (laughs) You're sitting in a kayak there. I love it. That's awesome. Um, And COVID, obviously, you explained before, um, you're obviously would-been in France right now, but and it's hard to get to pools and everything like that. How frustrated are you? Um, Or are you relieved to maybe take a break? Yeah. I mean, look, COVID COVID is here and there's nothing we can really do Mm. about it. Uh, In the beginning, like the week after I found out that the – World Series was cancelled. That was a really hard thing to swallow mm. and to to adapt to and to get used to it. But after that, I just really took the time to enjoy with my family mm. and in, enjoy being around home. And actually, like, I've seen so much more of my local coastline <laughs> than I ever have before. So, yeah, look, I've, I've been trying to 
stay in the ocean as much as possible and uh, trying to be active outdoors as much as possible. And you found a cliff that you... Yeah, yeah, I did. Your house. It's, it's not even on Google Maps yet, though. No one will ever find it. Don't put it on Instagram because <laughs> <laughs> everyone will be there. But yeah, it's yeah, just near no, your house. Explain. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's it's been really cool. Um, I've been out there with um, with some friends. They've now become my safety team. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like ten meters from home, and uh, I've been going over there diving a little bit. But the only cool. thing is, it's, did you always know it was there? Uh, I did. Uh, but I, n- I never actually went there to dive mm. uh, because we had to, you know, get in there and uh, check out underneath and yeah. to make it s- sure it's safe. Yeah. Um, but also it's it's weather permitting as well. You know, you can't go in there with, with big swells and in, mm. in bad weather. So it's kind of a, it's kind of been a nice escape. How you know? high is it? Uh, we've, we've got, I think the lowest is 13 and the highest is 22. Cool. That's so, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. at this stage, you know, I haven't been diving at 20 meters for a while. So right. at the moment I'm working my way up. We finish off every podcast by asking what advice you would give your little 10-year-old self. So what would you tell 10-year-old Rhiannon? My advice that I would give to myself as a 10-year-old would be surround yourself with people that lift you up and encourage you and, and uh, help you be the best version of yourself. And you've done that? I think I have. I think I've, I've done a pretty good job trying to do that. That's good advice. <laughs> Rhiannon, thank you so much. It's been fascinating hearing your story and learning more about your sport. Thank you for joining me on On Her Game. It's been a pleasure. Super fun. Thanks, Sam. On Her Game was presented by me, Sam Squires, and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Lindsay Green. Audio producer, Darcy Thompson. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au, download the free Podcast One Australia app or search on her game podcast.